Thank you for joining. We are starting this webinar today uh, on sustainability strategy. Uh, this webinar is held uh, by xapa.org, Advise, Invest, Advocate. Before getting into the actual content, just a few online meeting instructions to ensure good and smooth uh, participation of everyone. Um, your microphone is muted. Uh, that's a good way to ensure good quality with the communication and um, you have the best um, sound possible. We also uh, ensure, uh, encourage you to connect through uh, the chat system if you want to ask a question or actively contribute. You just need to flag and raise your hand. This is something we are monitoring uh, all along the, the webinar, so feel free to just um, use the virtual end that is provided to your attention. Um, we suggest that the people do not use videos. It's a way to ensure that there is maximum bandwidth, and it's actually also a good way to ensure um, the lowest carbon possible with this webinar, um, as the videos of people are not really necessary. If you want to meet with us, uh, and you want to make sure that we use the video, no worries, we'll have other opportunities to meet up directly and chat one-on-one. -on -one. Um, now we can move to the core of the discussions. Today, it's part of a series of webinars led by XAPA.org on questions to define and activate a pertinent sustainability strategy. This webinar is based on uh, decades, actually, of experience coming from the whole team and a good number of affiliates. Uh, and uh, we've uh, developed this content um, in a very uh, practical manner to make sure that for all of you as participants, you benefit from our experience. And uh, six questions have been defined to ensure that we focus the content on our experience, engaging and leading, refreshing, implementing sustainability strategies for a good number of Fortune 500 companies around the world. The webinar today will be um, led by myself. My name is Farid Badash, um, and I'm uh, basically the CEO of uh, xapa.org. I will introduce you to our organization uh, very shortly, but uh, uh, this is a good way for you to have a concise overview of our viewpoint on sustainability strategies. And the second part of the webinar, which is the reason why you're joining us, will um, focus on the context, why it is urgent to define um, a sustainability strategy that make the most and capitalize on experience to date, but most importantly, innovate is creative and is consistent with the big challenges ahead of us. Um, and then we'll discuss six questions, six areas we believe are important for you to get it right, get it impactful, get it credible. So, introducing Sapa.org. Work. Um, we are a mission-driven organization. That's actually why whenever you want to connect with us on the website, it's on the xapa.org you can find us. Um, our content um, and team are all focused on three pillars of activities. We do lead consulting activities on sustainability, but XAPA was created to ensure that we would address with the best impact possible uh, capacity for investors and companies to accelerate transformation and contribute in the most effective manner to um, the global goals and the big social and environmental challenges ahead of all of us. Um, our team combined people were pretty experienced, generally more than 15 years of experience, um, and coming with a background uh, from a good number of different activities 
And we believe that it's the merging of all of these activities which make us particularly pertinent to drive sustainability strategies. Some of us have background in finance, some have background in sustainability, some have background um, in um, uh, uh, working for corporations, and so on. And our affiliates and shifts uh, beyond that, we are able to work um, with people who can contextualize um, operations and provide a local perspective or expand the expertise that is provided by our core team with complementary expertise on niche topics. We did a lot of consulting work that is pertinent on the, to look at that from the sustainability strategy perspective. Um, we lead materiality work, business strategy, we review risk and due diligence, and we implement um, and deploy and refresh um, programs that ensure that companies and investors can um, deploy pertinent strategies with good KPIs and good capacity to measure impact and uh, report back on uh, impact provided to ecosystem of stakeholders, being investors, clients, and employees. We lead, and that's the innovative aspect also of capital Torque, investment programs. Our idea is basically to expand the capacity of companies to project uh, transformation um, with access to additional funds from private um, investors through the model of impact investment funds. I'll make a very brief um, overview of what we do in that space, but long story short, the idea is basically that if companies are really willing to transform, they need to have access to resources and with impact investment solutions. We believe that there are ways for companies working with their peers, with their suppliers, um, can have collaborative solutions to expand significantly the resources that they can activate to accelerate transformations. Last, we're a XAPA.org organization, and as a mission of an organization, we advocate. Um, and we deliver a lot of our insights through our blog articles, briefing papers, and reports. And across the presentation we uh, shared with all of you today, uh, we'll make sure to, uh, to, to share some of those insights. And, they are all accessible for free in an open source manner on our website, notably in our publication section at xapa.org. We work with a network of 150 plus partnering experts based across the world, as I mentioned, and our clients, those who are actively working with us as we speak, are global farming groups and they're worldwide. Some are quoted in Europe and some are quoted in Northern America. This is a brief overview of our um, sustainability consulting uh, services. And I need to flag uh, that this presentation is recorded and will be uploaded on our website. Meaning that um, I walk through those slides fairly quickly, but uh, you can of course um, get back to those, download the presentation, share with colleagues and other people as you want. Just after the presentation will be made in um, 53 minutes from now. This is a brief overview of our advocacy activities. Um, the most recent briefing paper, which have been uploaded, are very aligned, for example, with um, uh, the need for uh, the big recession and uh, crisis underway because of COVID-19 to revigorate the concept of inclusive growth. So recently, we, we were asked by some of our clients what they could do in that space, and we said, mm, uh, there is clearly five areas where business and companies can really focus programs and attention to deliver uh, higher impact on inclusive growth. And you can download the paper uh, to see whether these five areas and match 
whether they can match with your own programs. We're also are pretty active on human rights, and uh, we deliver a lot of insights and briefing paper documents on that space, whether talking about investments or taking that from the perspective of supply chains, um, among other things. Um, and so our intent is basically that building on the expertise provided by our team and affiliates, we uh, share those insights uh, in open source manner, so feel free to use them and, and, and basically share them. Uh, if that can be helpful for you, colleagues and programs and your ecosystem of stakeholders to, to not reinvent the wheel, learn from what we've been doing, what we know to do better and with more impact. And we are, of course, always very happy to be in conversation with all of you and see how best we can learn and improve and accelerate. This is a, an example of um, impact uh, investment program uh, that uh, we are designing and uh, deploying. Uh, it's called Scale-Up Technical Training Initiative. It is very connected with uh, sustainability um, strategies in the sense that we are approaching sustainability strategies to really encourage investors and companies to see what they can do beyond what they've been doing to date because we know that the environmental and social agenda for the decade to come is very, very, very challenging. We know that despite the fact that many companies have implemented sustainability strategies to date, it is just not enough. Transformation needs to happen at a larger scale and much faster than what's been the case to date. In a way to address that and provide a response, we've decided to develop and design um, impact investment funds. And in this case, let's take the example of a company in the food industry. This company knows that um, the company is sourcing some, um, uh, com some agricultural commodities, let's say fruits, and those fruits need to increase, at least the sourcing activity need to increase in decarbonation, one, and in mitigating social risks across the chain. When I look at the chain, uh, most of the contributors are, let's say, smallholders and plantations. And if we really want to work on decarbonation of plantations and or improve the practices of uh, smallholders, a solution here that we're designing at SAPA is basically to put in place a fund which enables to invest in, um, in, in, and provide the resources to transfer uh, training, technical training to smallholders, and we use digital solutions also as much as face-to-face -face training sessions to disseminate the training and uh, transfer also resources at community level that people can use to acquire um, technologies and equipment needed to decarbonize faster their activities. So long story short, this is a kind of system which complements a sustainability strategy to say, well, to date, we've developed, for example, a program with targets and contractual clauses and we're conducting audits and that kind of thing. And then we complement that with this kind of program that companies can um, support working with peer companies or business partners to deploy more widely a training solutions in a solution which, by the way, generate a return on investment. So we're moving from a, a, a training programs which basically just cost money to program which basically are a good way to make the most of the high level of liquidity currently available to generate return on investment and impact on the human rights agenda and on carbon. So what's at stake today when we are talking about how to refresh or design a new sustainability strategy? We want to talk about the context 
then uh, there are strategies that can be deployed in response. And we want to, to look at that through concrete um, return on it coming from our experience through six questions. CSAPA.org released at the beginning of the year a report called Towards 2030. This report is the outcome of a detailed and extensive work research where we've engaged with a good number of companies and investors to understand um, what they had been doing to date and how they were looking at the new decade in terms of priorities uh, where to focus sustainability efforts. With this uh, report, we've identified six sustainability priorities for the years to come. And the six priorities, of course, might depend on the industry or the geography we're talking about. But long story short, whether you're the, we're talking about some of your customers, your business partners, or some of the countries where you headquartered and the regulations are trending, the six topics are really on top of the agenda of most, if not every, uh, organization we had a chance to engage in this research program. Decarbonization, water, deforestation, uh, mitig risk mitigation, circularity, social inequalities, and the broader human rights agenda, which can include, for example, um, labor conditions, working conditions across supply chain. Most interestingly, uh, we also discovered uh, what could be new for companies to accelerate and exponentially expand the scope of the programs addressing sustainability issues at the scales needed given what's in front of us. Uh, digital technologies is clearly one big promising um, environment uh, area that we've explored through our report towards 2030, which you can download on the xapa.org website on the publication section. And at the end of the day, we've identified multiple uh, technologies and most importantly, we've explored how these technologies could be particularly powerful to advance the sustainability agenda when they were combined together. For example, Internet of Things and blockchain together, or AI and 5G together. We're far from um, candid when it comes to a lot of the ethical and or um, climate or energy related um, challenges generated by the development and deployment of such digital technologies. And that's clearly a part of what we've addressed with towards 2030 XAPA report. However, we just think that there is a lot we, of unknown in this space. Um, and the more we know, the more we practice, the more we can better understand the ethical risks and identify solutions to mitigate some of those and or um, quantum computing that is displayed on the screen is an illustrative technology uh, that is developing and is actually a way to also reduce the energy intensity of some of the digital technologies at play. So we're in 2020. We know that digital solutions can be part of the solution. There are a lot of unknown and we believe that the way these programs will be deployed between what we know today and what will be the case in 2025 will change dramatically. We believe also that to accelerate and expand programs on sustainability, to us, uh, there are innovative finance solutions uh, available. We're in a world where the level of liquidity is pretty high, with a good number of investors exploring uh, um, return on investment and impact, and where um, digital solutions uh, provide new and innovative avenues to disseminate access to liquidity. Um, when we put all of these trends together, we believe that innovative finance 
can enable companies and investors to expand significantly the reach of their sustainability programs and the speed of acceleration and transformation that is needed to adapt to build a world which needs to become more resilient and more inclusive. You can download to our 2030 report on our website, um, and there is actually also an executive summary. We also delivered a webinar um, to walk through the findings of that report earlier in the year. However, this uh, page displays a good overview of some of the key findings that have been um, uh, defined across the, um, the, the report. These business implications are a useful input to refresh or design a new sustainability strategy. And that's actually why we, we thought we would share those um, with you today as part of that webinar. Moving on, of course, we are um, uh, having this webinar together today in the midst of COVID-19 uh, pandemic crisis. Um, it is clear that this COVID-19 crisis is a very difficult moment for um, many people, a lot of people in the world, and for a lot of companies, some being even in survival mode as we speak. Um, it is clear that for the year to come, um, a recession and business is going to be in very difficult times. Uh, however, we want to look at that also from uh, a more positive note. And uh, COVID-19 is interesting on uh, multiple fronts. It opens up a fundamental debate on sustainability uh, because COVID-19 is in, we've worked ourselves a lot on pandemic programs as part of sustainability strategies across the past 20, 15-ish years. And COVID-19, like uh, crisis, have surfaced many times. And a lot of industries, for example, in the food industry or in the healthcare industries, have been perfectly aware that this kind of pandemic crisis could happen. However, despite the fact that it was pretty well documented, um, it showed that that was too big. And at the end of the day, people thought that that would just not happen. The truth is we're in the middle of something which has happened. It's very big, with huge impacts, with a lot of unknowns. And I think we think that this is an interesting learning to explore the future and understand that for the future that is um, coming to come for business uh, between 2020 and let's say 25, 2030, 2025 or 2030, COVID-19 shows that the unknown can become and the abnormal can become the normal and that for a lot that we know, uh, we can better um, uh, there is a lot to uh, to 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 to, to uh, explore um, in terms of how to improve approaches to sustainability. Let's take that from a different perspective and explore climate. Climate, on a similar vein as COVID-19, is something which uh, is pretty well documented, um, is pretty well known, but the level of of preparation for it is just clearly way insufficient. So, we believe that for the years to come, business as to adapt and understand that there will be a lot of turbulences that might come from other pandemic from the aftermath of COVID-19 because this is clearly not uh, this is likely going to build a very uh, difficult world for many people um, uh, not just for the months to come but likely for the years to come but beyond COVID-19 there will likely be other pandemic crises there will be environmental crises there will be social crises 
So in that world, we need to learn with uncertainty. We need to learn to work and design sustainability strategies that can adapt to a world where abnormal can become the normal. That implies five principles which are described in the article that you can um, uh, read on our uh, blog section on uh, xapa.org in our publication section, learning from COVID-19 to build more resilient societies. First is the concept of agility. At the end of the day, as we can see just through um, adaptation to crisis modes, agility can apply to the way uh, companies need to get organized, companies need to source, companies need to predict and forecast agility. Collective is the second point, and that applies very well to sustainability strategies. You cannot address abnormal on your own. It's all about uh, being able to develop collective approaches. This can be about working with communities, it can be about working with peer companies, it can be about working with business partners, it can be about anything that is relevant, but at the end of the day, it's all about sustainability, and it's all about addressing big issues together in a collective manner, and certainly not in an individualistic approach. The third aspect is the concept of transparency. Uh, when we have collectively to address unknown and sustainability brings a lot of unknown, a lot of uncertainty. Um, transparency is important to build trust and to explain how decisions are made based on what rational. With transparency, this is, uh, we have a very important concept that is uh, uh, to be kept top of mind and decisions to ensure that whenever decisions are made, they can be explained to stakeholders. Um, and they understand where the decisions are coming from based on what context, what level of information. And the truth with humanity is basically just that a couple of years or months later, even a sustainability strategy might need to be uh, revisited based on how information uh, and intelligence has evolved. Point number four is about public authority. There's been too much on the sustainability front that has been all about uh, the fact that private sector was able to address a lot of issues. Truth is just not the case. And if we talk about agility, collective approaches, and transparency, public authorities also have a role to play. We've explored a lot the human rights agenda, which has been pretty clarified in terms of the responsibilities that are expected from companies compared to what is expected from governments. Uh, we can look at it also from the climate uh, angle and the biodiversity angles, um, where at the end of the day, state and governments and authorities have a role to play. In a broader sense, building good sustainability strategies and make sure that they are credible and impactful is also about clarifying roles of what should come and should be the contribution of private sectors, whether corporations or investors, and what must be the role of authorities and, and governments by the end of the day. Last and not least, um, principle that uh, we uh, uh, encourage um, to use uh, and apply to design sustainability strategies and approach all of these uh, topics is um, this idea that it's important to navigate uh, conflicting injunctions. That means being able to make long-term decisions factoring short-term imperatives. Let me take an example that is coming from COVID-19 management. Companies might be in, a, in a survival mode as we speak. That means that basically you don't have money to pay um, employees. Uh, fair enough. Uh, how to prepare for the future, though? Uh, there is no better solution than encouraging companies to make sure that the matter they are treating employees, dismissing employees, to 
navigate short term survival mode is made based and driven by principles, values that will build credible approach when times will be better and we employees will come back. Uh, and that there is a certain level of trust that we maintain between a company and its uh, ecosystems of stakeholders. So how this fifth point is about making sure that short-term imperatives are based and built with good consideration of longer-term needs. Sustainability strategies are based and uh, driven by more than 4,000 regulations worldwide. Uh, asking for disclosure on extra financial performance, encouraging companies to invest in, let's say, carbon programs um, or decarbonization programs. There are multiple uh, injunctions uh, um, pressing companies to accelerate. It is super complicated and super complex. We wanted here to uh, uh, flag a few initiatives being more or less relevant depending on the geographies. ISO 26000 is pretty important in continental Europe, much less so in North America, as an example. Um, we provide here another view of some global framework framing approaches of how companies are exploring environmental, social, and ethics. Um, and at the end of the day, the idea with those aspects is to say that there are lots of injunctions coming to uh, the shoulders of companies um, and building sustainability strategies need to be based made on those uh, conflicting and complex injunctions. That's actually why, in response to that complexity, we suggest to work through six simple questions uh, we believe are helpful for companies to design or refresh sustainability approaches. The point number one is to be very clear on priorities. And we say this because we know and we worked on programs where companies had to face and address, they were coming with long lists of PC 50, 100, 100, 200, 200, uh, issues they thought they had to manage. A problem when you're a company and you want to develop a sustainability program addressing, let's say, 50, 50 issues is basically uh, you have a challenge of dilution of resources, dilution of impact, and at the end of the day, poor credibility in how you're addressing the issue. So the underpinning principle to start um, on the building of a good, pertinent sustainability strategy is really to be clear on why and how sustainability matters and how this can seed a vision and a mission for the company. Materiality has been a concept uh, development that we have extensively implemented across across good number of uh, environments to clarify those selected priorities for companies. And a materiality matrix is a tool that is, we believe, a good entry point to build consensus and internal alignment within organizations as much as with ecosystems of stakeholders, customers, um, investors, um, 
civil society on some sensitive issues, on what are the priorities of a company? In other words, what are the environmental and social issues which are specific uh, for a company and on which the company has a very strong interest to work very, very seriously on those? To mitigate risk or to accelerate transformation and remain competitive, generate build value on the long range. On our website, xapa.org, you can find a good number of resources to uh, go deeper on those issues of materiality. We produced um, last year a briefing paper um, that <laughs> explored the concept through six questions to conduct a materiality assessment successfully. This graph shows a basic, very basic materiality matrix showing how a long list of topics as you can see, that can be about energy efficiency or biodiversity, can have a relative priority uh, for a given company. And the two axes show how they are important to the stakeholders, typically how they matter, and for customers, where customers are really expecting strong performance from a company, for example, and or how these issues are of relative importance to drive competitiveness of companies. Mitigating risks, for example, in view of upcoming um, regulations and or opportunities in terms of how to make the most of, if you just take regulations, fiscal incentives. So the starting point that we believe is very important is this one. A good sustainability strategy starts with a good clarification on the priorities, the environment, the specific environmental and social and ethics priorities that can drive good business. Being specific means that we don't care about whether climate is important or not for your business. Of course, climate has implications for every kind of business. We care about the, the top 10 priorities, which might include climate, but what is specific to the business? Is it about specific uh, methane, for example, which is AGG gas um, that is very important uh, in the industrial processes that need to be um, eliminated? Then we become specific. Is it about being um, about energy efficiency? Is it about the carbon that is uh, that has a cost and that is included in a strategic sourcing activity? There we translate the concept climate into very specific. Um, uh, climate-related issues that can be of relative high importance um, for the business to be successful for the years to come. This is what we want to get out of a good materiality review. Then we move to point number two, um, the baseline assessment, the starting point. We're in 2020. That means that for a lot of companies, and our clients are generally coming from the Fortune 500 companies, uh, we're talking about companies which have a fairly long history in sustainability. They've been in that journey for 10, 20. Um, for my own experience, I'm aware of uh, first sustainability strategies that were developed in the early 90s. Um, so you can see that we can be in 2020 revisiting sustainability strategies coming from 25 years of experience and programs with 25 years of people scratching their head to define something interesting, something pertinent, something robust. Uh, at the end of the day, our point on the 
the baseline assessment is not to be too critical about past activities today, but it's actually at least to be judgmental on one point. No matter what's been done to date, we know that this is just not enough uh, to address the challenges that we have to face for the decade to come. So no matter the journey, no matter the level of energy and investment which have been put to develop uh, sustainability programs across the past 10, 20, 30 years, it is good. We can capitalize a lot of that, for example, in change management processes and building internal alignment across people, in exploring the successes and failures uh, that have been uh, able, uh, that have enabled the company to bring sustainability performance to wherever it might be today. Um, and so we really find it important as part of that point number two, to step back, take time to reassess those assets, meaning basically those successes uh, today, because not just those liabilities, meaning basically what has failed today. Just take a very simple example. Many companies took some zero deforestation goals for 2020 in the early 2010, 2015. We are not aware of any company which has been able to meet that zero deforestation goal by 2020. This is a failure, a collective failure of companies, for example, in the food industry. What can we learn from that? What, are the, what is the baseline assessment that we can um, build out of that to build something more credible, more pertinent? This is what we call baseline assessment. Good learning from the past to ensure that there is good understanding of the strengths uh, and of the weaknesses uh, that need to be um, weathered uh, moving forward. Most importantly, what comes out of that is the following. Because we have a good materiality assessment and a good understanding of the environmental, social, and ethical priorities, because there is a good baseline assessment, we know the strengths that have been successful to that. What has basically uh, uh, enabled the company to meet, uh, to exceed performance on some earth sustainability areas to date, or to be a complete failure, is an excellent moment to explore resource allocation. Too many uh, people working on sustainability, they could be attached to whatever department across large corporations, um, marketing, processing, uh, sustainability, human resources, um, strategy, whatever. They complain to lack resources to address uh, sustainability before exploring new and additional resources, we believe that a good baseline assessment combined with a good materiality review is an excellent way to explore whether a uh, current allocation of resources is pertinent. Sometimes we can discover that based on the resources spent to date, looking at the performance to date, we could spend less to basically get to similar level of achievement. That could be one, one solution. Out of the materiality review, we consider that there are some relative, some issues of relative importance that are under-resourced compared to areas which basically sounds to be of lower relative importance that might be a bit too resourced. And then we can reallocate resource to support what is of most uh, strategic importance. So there are multiple games that can be played in that space at that moment before complaining we don't have resources to explore how best to be smart with the existing resources. 
that is really something we are happy to share because it's really based on our experience that uh, moving step by step on the, the designing or the refreshing of a sustainability strategy in that specific uh, area is very important because later on in the process, we know what resources we can use to build good, solid, credible sustainability strategy. Uh, point number three is related to uh, what the companies in my industry are doing. What are my uh, the companies uh, investing in the central portfolio as I do are doing if I'm an investor, for example. A, here we have a kind of, say, um, provocative approach to that. We believe that given what's been said up to now and given the level of challenges and the, the turbulences that we, our businesses are going to face and are actually already facing as we speak um, for the months and the years to come, we wonder, uh, we actually don't really believe that benchmarking and comparing performance with others is the right thing to do. It can be good as a starting point to know where the pack is starting from, but this is not what is going to drive innovation, and this is not what is going to provide the right level of inspiration to transform the, trans the companies and their strategies and their businesses and their practices and their products and services at the level that is needed. So our point number three might be to say, well, look at what others are doing, but don't spend too much on that. Define your own bold, radical target that can drive your own transformation. This is what matters. And then of course, because this is need to be driven by rational, you can build scenarios and take a low uh, profile scenario, which is all about staying in the pack of what peer companies are doing and explore alternatives, more radical, transformative scenarios, which are all about exploring what you can do that is really uh, different and transformative uh, and with at what cost, what risk, and um, with what benefit. This point is important also, uh, point number three of our approach, because with clarity on the priorities, if priority is coming from the materiality assessment, and with a better understanding of the resources that could be available without exploring new resources, then we can start to fly, we can start to be creative and really explore what is really going to be a game changer in the way we are operating um, to face big transformations uh, that are needed. Let me take another example. Uh, a disagreement on climate is asking companies or investors exploring their portfolios of activities to be low carbon and define an approach that is aligned and consistent with a 1.5 degree approach. That is pretty radical and that is calling for a very, very, very aggressive reduction of carbon exposure. Whether we're talking about the portfolio facets, whether we're talking about factories processing products, whether we're talking about sourcing activities, it's very aggressive. Here we say if we benchmark with companies and peer companies, you don't get the inspiration you need. This is not because you are going to benchmark with companies that you're going to find the solutions needed to be as aggressive as what's needed to adapt in um, your business to a climate constraint uh, world. And building on this example, we have the experience to have worked uh, and designed, for example, climate strategies for companies back in uh, 2010, uh, 2015, 
Um, and so we remember the time when, for example, a decade ago, the development of climate strategies um, was driven by what we knew at that time, um, and building internal consensus across multiple functions within corporation uh, was a process where we had to go through um, a lot of questions whether what we were trying to do was too ambitious, too bold, uh, whether companies were able to transform. And the truth, and uh, we've engaged with um, a good number of, of those uh, programs very recently to revisit those past uh, activities. It concluded that, um, and a lot is actually available as public information um, because it's disclosed across, for example, uh, sustainability reports. We've concluded that on many fronts, back in 2010, many companies thought that they were ambitious in the way they were approaching climate. Um, for example, some taking the pathway uh, to reduce um, using a factor four their carbon emissions. And when we look at that in 2020, we can see that many have exceeded significantly the goals they defined for themselves for 2015 or 2020. That means that they thought that there was the internal consensus, that they were pretty bold uh, and pretty aggressive, but the truth is they've exceeded, uh, they've exceeded their goals. And we can look at that from uh, the 2020 perspective and conclude also that they were not that bold at the end of the day because much more is needed. Uh, so we are sharing this experience right now because we think that this is an interesting learning to explore how to define bold and radical target in 2020, exploring 2025 or 2030. We could be in very similar situations with colleagues or departments within large corporations saying, hey, what you want to do is too aggressive, but learning from climate strategies back 10 years ago, no, it's actually wrong. It's actually a duty, a responsibility to be even more bold and radical building new sustainability strategies because past experience has proven uh, that more was needed. Moving to point number four, governance. Uh, this point is about the process of uh, exploring uh, priority topics, one. And two, it's about um, uh, being uh, able to also um, uh, implement on the priority topics. And whether we're talking about what needs to be explored or what needs to be implemented, we are facing complexity. And this complexity can be assessed, explored exclusively if and only if it is driven by diversity, uh, multi-viewpoints. What I mean by that, what we mean by that is basically that if people uh, defining a sustainability strategy, one way or another, look the same, they have the same, let's say, corporate background or professional background coming from the same geographies or whatever, it is way too limited to understand and decrypt the complexity that is at stake. So we strongly encourage uh, to design sustainability strategies First and foremost, if we're talking about people from within a company, uh, expanding as much as possible the perspectives across functions from the companies, as much as across um, layers of responsibility. Employees have a lot to say about sustainability. It's not exclusively something that should come from top management. And externally, 
companies also have to explore the concepts from the environmental, social, and ethical concepts, which are of uh, primary importance, with a large diversity of perspectives. Let's take, for example, a human rights agenda, and more precisely, topics like um, improving labor conditions of workers. Um, uh, um, the external perspective and expertise that might be interesting to bring to the table might be people coming with a development expertise, people who are very strong exploring the roots of poverty, for example, people coming with very strong expertise on gender, there are multiple uh, perspectives that can enrich significantly the understanding of uh, the complexity of um, some environmental, social, and ethical uh, topics which are at stake. And then again, this point number four comes building on the three uh, points made uh, up to now. Uh, you cannot develop a strong uh, and detailed um, diversity if you are focusing on too many topics hence the importance of materiality. This needs to be resourced, hence the importance on resource allocation. And this needs to, uh, to be activated with both objectives in terms of transformation. What's the point of a large, large diversity if it's all about just poor, limited, um, continuous improvement of what's been um, implemented up to now? Um, so the whole value of diversity in the way we're using this term as we speak is all about being focused on the most strategic sustainability topics and which need to be fed by a good uh, broad perspective to understand the multifaceted complexity of sustainability the point that we want to explore to design good sustainability strategies um, here is to revisit again then later on the concept of resources earlier as point number three we mentioned the uh, point number two sorry we mentioned the importance of uh, resource allocation better reflecting priorities that's a first step to explore how best to use and how smart how smarter to be using resources available and on this point number five where we want to explore uh, ways to uh, expand access to resources and be creative. One point which I find particularly interesting as we speak right now, because this is something uh, that uh, we've explored significantly across recent programs, is uh, the collaboration between sustainability teams, for example, and um, financial teams. Uh, the CSO, Chief Sustainability Officer, and the CFO, Chief Finance Officer, can become really best friends exploring sustainability agenda because sustainability can be a way for CFO to really save money, but also for the sustainability um, team to explore access to funds uh, they didn't even think of. For example, when it comes to exploring climate impacts, um, and revisit decisions made in terms of invest, industrial investments that can be made across corporations. Here we're talking about millions that can be relocated. So a tip I would say here, engage and onboard CFO people across sustainability program discussion and or explore CFO programs and try to bring an environmental, social and ESG lens 
to help a CFO understand the extra financial perspective uh, supporting his her decision. But beyond the relationship with CFOs, um, it's important to think out of the box. And back to the Towards 2030 report released by XAPA.org uh, in January this year, uh, where we are exploring 13 one, three innovative finance solutions, we think that companies can think in creative manners uh, to explore ways to expand resources available to fund um, sustainability programs. Uh, I would just take two examples out of this graph that is displayed as we speak. One, impact investing. Uh, if you're a, a food company sourcing um, fruits, uh, from a given country, you can explore ways to include uh, impact investors in a program um, that explore um, gender issues um, and access to better education, access to uh, um, uh, gender um, uh, uh, gender biased, uh, non-biased products, for example. Some um, impact investing, investment funds are interesting, interested in those solutions. So it can be a food campaign, team up with um, impact funds and with uh, people uh, or organizations deploying solutions on the ground to expand basically the reach of your sustainability program and access to different resources. It takes time, but the scale and um, disruptive solutions can be of very, very interesting, um, with very, very interesting outcomes. Another example um, that we can see here is um, uh, through um, digital uh, vehicles. But for example, one thing is to think in terms of cash, and the other thing is to explore um, tokenization of currencies. I've been working on a program where uh, we explore how to give carbon uh, compensation value to communities, um, but they don't really have access to the cash, they can use those uh, credits um, that are tokenized to uh, acquire insurance solutions or equipment solutions. So in that sense, we use or we explore solutions to use virtual money, I would say, to expand um, purchasing power and solutions provided to communities without necessarily using, uh, let's say, real-world um, cash-based money. And with some communities building trust, and of course exploring that through pilots, uh, that can be a powerful solutions to expand again the sustainability reach and impact of multiple programs. These examples that I'm sharing require a much longer uh, and detailed um, discussion because it can have risks, ethical risks. Uh, uh, compliance risks, the, the multiple aspects that need to be explored. We're just sharing those examples to show that there are many ways to be creative uh, to approach sustainability and access to resources um, at the level that is needed, again, uh, to address 20 and project or forecast activities uh, as they should look like in 2025 in terms of impact on the sustainability agenda. Last. Uh, aspects uh, for discussion today. Um, we are in a world where 
I would pause here and say, let's say that you've defined a sustainability strategy with good understanding of your priorities, bold, radical targets, embarking or onboarding the whole organization to transformation by 2025-2030, driven by good creative approaches to access the resources needed. This is all great, but is this going to build trust and ensure that this is credible for investors, customers, employees? Not so sure. Amidst COVID-19, we're in a moment when uh, the trust in government, businesses, and investors is, has been very low. So sustainability strategies can only be credible and trusted if able to rebuild also trust with all those stakeholders. And a good strategy is something we believe, and that's the sixth point, that is not any longer exclusively based on reporting back on performance to date, but most importantly, able to to demonstrate how the company can deliver positive impact for the years to come and uh, for the contribution to the global goals um, that can be defined, let's say, by 2030. This implies, and I want you to look particularly at the graph of the display on the screen here, that instead of looking at historical data, you are able to define a sustainability strategy and develop solutions to forecast and explore how you envision to have impacts on priority goals for the years to come. One thing is to say, I want to be climate friendly. The other thing is to say, look, we are aligned and consistent with Paris Agreement in a 1.5 degree trajectory. This is where we will be in 2025, and this is what we are going to do to deliver on that commitment. Instead of being backward looking, this is a way to be forward looking. This is a completely new approach um, that is pretty disruptive in the way ESG reporting has worked up to now, but we believe that this is something that increasingly can be built using big data, for example, that can provide some predictive information. And we have uh, strategic partners we work with in data science to help uh, design such programs at scrapa.org. And we've uh, shared um, a lot of insights on those areas Enable, enabling companies um, and investors to report on, um, and, uh, on, on sustainability strategy and performance in a way that can be trusted and credible, driven by impact. This is, uh, so if you are interested in these innovative approaches, build to build trust and credible um, uh, engagement with um, stakeholders, such as investors, um, customers, employees, and others. Um, you can, of course, uh, walk to our website on our publication section, where we've outlined here just a few briefing papers, uh, which we believe can be helpful to be downloaded. Uh, and our blog article section provides also a couple of articles we believe and insight coming from our team, which we believe can be um, uh, interesting to share. We're getting to the end of our webinar for today. Uh, we are very uh, delighted to um, have had you with us. Uh, this webinar is recorded, 
and upload it on our website so you can have access to it, share this webinar with colleagues, um, uh, other experts, uh, and peer people you think can find it inspiring and good source um, to uh, explore those complex topics of sustainability. Uh, and we are very uh, happy to make sure that um, uh, you are going to uh, uh, to build uh, out of those um, um, resources. There are a few things you can do as well. One is to uh, register to our monthly newsletter. On our website, there is a newsletter section accessible through the publication um, uh, uh, part of, of, of the website. You just need to register your email and uh, on a monthly basis, you'll get an update from us about our latest insights and publications. You can browse on a regular basis on our website, of course, where content is uploaded in an open source manner. Uh, feel free, as these are open source resources, to use them and share them. Uh, they're developed for that purpose. And you can also connect with us across our uh, social media channels, LinkedIn, uh, xapa.org, uh, uh, Twitter, xapa.org, and um, Medium. Uh, XAPA.org, uh, where you can uh, keep uh, um, an eye on uh, our uh, really, uh, developments um, that are coming. Uh, thank you so much. Um, the setting of this, web, of this uh, webinar did not enable you to interact actively, but uh, not even to see actually the other people who were able to take part in um, the participation, but I can see that uh, the comments show, and I've tried to address uh, many, if not all of them, as I was, uh, sharing and leading that presentation. Thanks so much for the feedback that is very positive about this webinar, which seems to be to have been very helpful. Um, these are our contact details that have been displayed on that screen. We wish you an excellent day that is starting from some of you, uh, closing for some others, and uh, we'll be happy to remain in touch um, in the weeks to come.